You're listening to Metal and High Heels, the official podcast from the magazine about metal, lifestyle, and entertainment. Hello everyone, this is Steffi from Metal and High Heels, and this is the episode number 36 of our Metal and High Heels podcast. Yes, welcome everybody to our Epica podcast special. I'm Kiki, and I am very, very happy to talk about my favorite band, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so I'm also very happy. And Pia is um, not here today, she's not with us. I, I'm not really sure what she's doing right now. I think she's just busy <laughs> and has no time to join us. But so, yeah, she doesn't like Epica at all. So <laughs> I think she might be happy that she doesn't have to talk about that. So, yeah, we can now just talk about a favorite band, Kiki. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it your favorite band also? Yeah, it is. Yes. <laughs> so it's. I think it might will become just a, it's a great, it's a good, it's a beautiful. <laughs> I hope we can be a little bit more um, um, objective okay. <laughs> about that topic. <laughs> yeah, uh, so let's just get to it, right? Yeah, after we talked about Nightwish and Leaves Eyes, a whole episode of our podcast, now we choose the band Epicam. Because, yeah, why? <laughs> I think because it's one of the hmm, trademarks of symphonic metal, maybe? Yeah, I also think so. They are um, one of the best examples of a modern symphonic metal, obviously. And um, I think also they kind of developed uh, the genre. They grew with the genre. So it's kind of totally their thing. Epica were obviously not the first uh symphonic metal band but they actually developed the genre along yeah who have experimented a lot with uh, symphonic metal so much that they have changed the genre and uh, made it evolve yeah that might be true well i'm not sure that they um had a very huge influence on the genre itself i think that's you can say that more for nightwish for me epica is for me just a very good example how to yeah how a band can develop in a very very good way and an impressive way that's epica for me but i think hmm, is their impact so huge on the whole genre i think so i think um they are also a big influence for younger bands i know for a fact that epica is a huge influence in bands like sangria for example yeah yeah, might be, yes. <laughs> I think the well, uh, the reason why I like Epica more than Nightwish is also that Epica is still metal. Nightwish is for me, well, some songs, it's, it's just more soundtrack with some rock metal elements, but it's not metal at all sometimes for me. But Epica is... So they just, in my ears, they have just made the perfect combination of orchestra and metal. That's, um, yeah, that's why they are, for me, the, the best band in that um, genre, that metal genre. Yeah, totally. I agree. But uh, let's start in the beginning. Steffi, how did you uh, listen to them for the first time? 
think it was the song Fate. Mm -hmm. um, a friend, I, I think it was in when I was at school, so a long time ago. Well, not not that long, but for me, um, yeah, some years ago. And um, when I just first listened to it, it was just, uh, uh, well, yeah, hmm, yeah, yeah, okay, nice, but hmm, no, no, I don't like it. <laughs> I think it was um, Simone's voice that was, for me, it was too high. It sounds exhausting because she, yeah, she just sang in a, such a high way. And so I, I just didn't didn't like it, and I have also very bit, uh, very bad quality of the music in my mind. I think the um, the music video I have to check it out, but I think the music video is just also very very bad quality. So and especially in if you combine metal and orchestra and choirs. And yeah, just so many elements. They, it just has to be a very good quality to, or uh, just a good mix up, so you can just listen to every part, which makes a good whole thing. And yeah, I I think it was a combination of that music quality and Simone's voice, which made me just thought, oh no, no no, I don't like them. <laughs> Wow, but I think I know what you mean. I was just listening to uh, the first the first album, um, the Phantom Agony, and uh, I know what you mean. It's like that uh, very computer like um, computer made sounds of the of the I don't know the violins and and all of the or the symphonic all of the orchestra sounds. They were obviously electronic, and they were very obviously electronic. So it's mm. like, um, but I mean, that was the technology back in 2002, 2003. So, <laughs> and they were just beginning. I mean, of course, um, Mark Janssen had already had a success with um, After Forever. Mm -hmm. But uh, for Epica, they were just starting. Simone was, I think, 17. Yep, 17, and, 18, yes. And was just, um, and didn't really have the, the, the didn't really dominate the complete, uh, the opera, operatic vocals. So yes, it was, it was, um, as you say, it was exhausting. Well, I wouldn't say exhausting, but you could hear that she had to really put a lot of energy into it yes yeah but uh, but it was something new it was something different back then it had this very dark quality to it also with the growls um i think the first song that i that i listened from epica was cry for the moon uh -huh. Also back in, uh, that was already back in 2007 or eight. So they already had three albums out, but that was how I discovered them, I think. And I don't even remember how exactly, but um, yeah, it must have been um, when I was in, in university, 2007, 2008, because in Ecuador, we didn't hear from them at all. Oh, mm -hmm. so right now? No, no, no. Back then, okay. up, up, in, up yeah. to 2007, um, they weren't really known in Ecuador at all. Okay, yeah. I think that's not that surprising. Yeah, exactly. They were, the band was four years old, so. Mm. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. later, um, 
I, I don't know, maybe one, two years later, um, I discovered the memory cover of the musical Cats on YouTube. And then, yeah, then I also <laughs> fall in I love. Didn't really, I didn't really know that existed. What? <laughs> It's very beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I just watched it because uh, you linked it uh, to me and we're, we're also going to link uh, this beautiful cover on, on the show notes, which you can find on www.metal-and-highheels.com slash podcast. And... Um, Yeah, I I didn't know this cover existed, but it's from the same video coverage from um, the Phantom Agony. Those mm -hmm. those legendary videos for Cry Cry for the Moon with Amanda Somerville. It, it's from the same day, I think. Yeah, that you mean that um, video shot in a studio, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, I remember. Uh huh. Yeah. Also, all all the <laughs> also the guys they uh, they look just so young there. Yeah, it's always very funny if you watch it right now. <laughs> And it's just like oh, cute sunshine are playing good music. <laughs> But yeah, very young. So when did you see them live for the first time? Um, the first time on Rock Hearts, I think that was. Uh, 2015? Uh, What? What was it? Wh when did we meet? <laughs> when did we meet? When did we meet? <laughs> At the Rock Arts? Yeah, I think that was 2015. Yes, 2015. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. So that that was the first time at the festival. And later uh, I saw them in Hanover with Powerwolf. That was a um, co-headlining tour. Yeah just these two times and i have to say i um at the festival i was disappointed because of the sound quality and then i decided okay well that's that's not a good life then for me i i want to listen to their music in studio quality i prefer that wow but, yeah but in um in hanover it was much better i think i think it was just at rockarts because it's a festival and so many bands and there yeah well i don't know maybe the technique was not that good but on the but, tour it was much better and i enjoyed but during this time between the first time you listened to faint and the first time you saw them live did you still listen to the band did you keep up with them or yes yeah definitely okay. already then it was uh one of my favorite bands yes then how come didn't you see them live before <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There was never the chance to do, or maybe also not the money. <laughs> okay. I think a combination of both. Not the money to travel that far, and it was there wasn't any gig in my town. Yeah, and so no, I just didn't go to a concert. Okay, I get it. That's super funny. <laughs> well, for me, it was the other way around. I um, discovered them, as I just said, in 2007 or eight, And um, in 2009, I saw them for the first time. Back then, I was living and studying in Karlsruhe, in the south of Germany. And um, it was super funny because they played on Halloween, Halloween night 2009, um, 
in the substage in Karlsruhe. Back then it was still the old substage. It was an amazing venue. It was legendary. And um, I was going to a Halloween party after. So I went in full costume to the concert. Um, I ha- I was wearing uh, like a ball gown, a dress, a big dress. Whoa. And yeah, it was hilarious. And Amberi and Dawn um, played the opener, the opening slot. And I'm not sure if another band played after Epica. Anyway, I just know I, 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 I got late to the concert, super late. And I just saw Amberi and Dawn like their last song maybe and then epica started and i was singing along and i was so so excited about it and after they played i was done like i didn't i didn't even want to see the the third band (laughs) i didn't care i went there just for epica and i was super happy and the other day I was actually looking, I was I was remembering that night for some reason. And I I looked on YouTube if there are videos, and there are. So I'm gonna link that video <laughs> in the show notes as well. The first time I saw them, um I saw Epica Live. Uh, there's a video of that night of their concert, and I didn't do it. I didn't do the video, but um yeah, it's super cool that I can <laughs> that I still have that memory through YouTube. <laughs> And do you have um, a photo of your outfit, of your costume? I don't think so. But my my best friend, my best friend is a photographer and we used to live together back then. Uh, So she probably has one. I'm going to ask her and maybe I can post something. (laughs) Yeah, please. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) Sure. So let's uh, start with the band history. And after that, we can do our favorites and stuff, right? Uh-huh. Yes. So, uh, as I was just saying um, before, Mark Janssen, after um, he left, after forever, uh, founded. Did Epica. he left? Did he left, or was he fired? I'm not sure. I think, I think he was fired. Really? Yes. I just read today lots of articles mm-hmm. um, for our podcast, and then yes, that. At the end, um, <laughs> that's my my uh, my, my conclusion. <laughs> came to the conclusion that he was fired. Okay, I have no yeah. idea. I didn't really um, listen to After Forever and until later, until they were. I think I think I, I listened to After Forever well because I started listening to Epica, but I wasn't like a big fan or anything. Um, well. However, uh, Mark and After Forever split up and uh, he founded Epica, but back then he named it Sahara Dust. And the singer uh, wasn't Simone yet. It was Helena Michelson. I never heard the name before, so I have no idea. Really? We have had no. her, uh, we have interviewed her. P and I interviewed her at Metal Female Voices Fest. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. You haven't done your research, Steffi. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to put that uh, that interview on, on our show notes as well. Um, she told us, uh, she, we asked her about Epica, but I think she said something like she was in the band for like five minutes 
and right after after that Simone joined the band and they changed the name and then Epica like really started and before that it was just like meh hmm. crazy yeah. but do you know the reason why she why she left the band or was, was she fired uh, no that I don't know um, Simone joined because she was Mark's uh, girlfriend at the time That's that story. But why uh, Helena left, I have no idea. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they named um, their band Epica after a Camelot album. Epica. Uh -huh. I think it's very, very old. Uh, that, I think I, I, in my eyes, it's just very, very funny because they uh, seem to love Camelot at that time might be some idols for them and um, now Simone is married with the keyboarder of that band <laughs> I think that's yeah. just um, yeah funny <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a little bit funny that's true yeah so the first album The Phantom Agony was released one year after founding 2003 and I think it's um, the press made very good um, reviews about it. The press said it's uh, very promising and yeah, I have it in mind like very gothic metal. Already with orchestra or samples, keyboards, um, but it was more gothic but symphonic metal. That's how I have it in mind right now. Why? Um, maybe because, maybe because of the very, yeah, dark, sometimes a little bit creepy atmosphere mm -hmm. of the songs. And, yeah, maybe I also think just... It's also, I think it's also because of the growls, because this, uh, you know, beauty and the beast dynamic of uh, male growler and the female uh, angelic singer it was that was the definition of gothic back then almost yeah that's right but do you think that there were more growths in the um, in the first album uh, but um, right now in the latest ones but because Mark still do some growths of course maybe yeah. not that much just more like an accent Yeah, I think I do think that in the beginnings of, of, of Epica, Mark did growl some more. But I think the fact that we still think that Epica started as a gothic metal band is because back then people called gothic everything that was heavy and also included a female voice. And that's something that uh, Liv Christine said to us, for example, on, a, on an interview. Um, That was just the definition back then, and that has changed because people had uh, have well because obviously the music has changed and the the music genres have evolved, but also because uh, back then there wasn't symphonic metal. That was that wasn't a thing. It, there wasn't a concept of symphonic metal as 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 a thing, you know. So every band with a female singer was gothic. Yeah, maybe. But I think um, another reason is that at that time there there were or I have just no 
um, no band in my mind, who already used a real orchestra to perform or to record some song material. And that's the obviously definition of symphonic metal, that there's an orchestra in the background. And so in these early years, Mm -hmm. most of the bands just used the keyboard or just sampled. It was, everything was computer made. And so, um, yeah, I think it's very hard to say, hey, that's symphonic metal, if there's no classical instrument at all. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um yeah, but I but I think um that fans fans of Therion or Haggard might actually say that the, that was already the origins of symphonic metal before. Mm, yes. But right. I These but bands, I didn't listen yeah. to them before, so <laughs> and, and I don't <laughs> listen to them that much, so <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. But that's what, but that's what I, what I meant before, Steffi, with the um, when I said that um, that Epica is that Epica has changed symphonic metal also because back then they were one of the first, as you say, uh, recording and performing with with a real orchestra um, or implementing those sounds with the intention of someday performing uh, live with an orchestra or recording with a real orchestra. And that's what later came to be known as symphonic metal because when they first started, there wasn't. So they actually, I do think they, that they also influenced the genre or the concept of, of symphonic metal, of this fusion of, of uh, orchestral classical music with um, very heavy um, metal music. Um, yeah, they, they, are, they are like, they are symphonic metal probably not the first band but the most prominent yeah so next album 2005 consigned to oblivion hmm what do you have in mind about that album um that one had a lot of funny videos (laughs) (laughs) really which one what do you mean yeah wait 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 we haven't uh, finished talking about the phantom agony though Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. What do you want to say? um, There are a lot of good songs in that album. Which one? Uh, Like, well, obviously Cry for the Moon is, I think, the most uh, famous from that one. But Sensorium is also great. I love that that song. Elusive uh, Consensus is also very nice. The Phantom Magony itself is great yeah do you have a favorite from that one hmm. sensorium i would say totally that's a really good one it's um it's very heavy yeah it's very heavy very dark and also to be a debut album it's it's already very great in my opinion yes yeah yeah definitely it's just very promising if a young band release such an album one year after founding that might be a good sign (laughs) yes all right so after that came uh consigned to oblivion two years later um and it had a lot of funny (laughs) funny music videos quietus was ah yes yeah yeah i remember that 
huge clock or something yeah. and the guys who who are working underground yeah i <laughs> never checked what is the um the reason behind that video behind these pictures simone is in a cage i think <laughs> that's a little bit crazy oh wait wait, wait. i'm watching it now um there's this <laughs> clock and then they go into the mountain like underground and yeah it's like a mine yeah yeah right they're all dirty in the face like coal yeah <laughs> oh this is so funny I, I don't understand the story behind that video either. Yeah, me too. I just accepted, okay, they want to picture some interesting photos. I made a video, something like that, I have no idea. Also, Solitary Ground has also another very funny video. Ah, oh, yeah, somewhere in the sand. Yeah. Like a beach. In the Sahara. It looks like the, the, like the Sahara Desert. Yeah. That ballad is beautiful, though. I love it. I love Solitary Ground. Let's put that one in our Epica playlist because um, for everybody, for all of our listeners out there, uh, Metal and High Heels is the name also of our Spotify profile. And on this profile, we have um, playlists of every uh, podcast episode we do. And uh, obviously to the... To the band specials like Nightwish, Leaves Eyes, and Epica, there's there are our favorite uh, songs of each band. So um, go there and follow those playlists, check them out. Those are also always embedded on our website. Uh, on every podcast episode, we embed our Spotify playlists, and the podcast is also on Spotify, so you can also listen to us there. What do you think of Consigned yep. to Oblivion? Steffi. It's good. Um, I think they um, that's already the next step. If you um, compare, if you compare um, this album with the first one, um, you already can notice where where they want to go because the sound develop. Um, they they get it gets a little bit bigger. I would say. If you um, just listen to uh, Mother of Light, for example, that's, yeah, I think that has already that typical epica, uh, epic, epica sound, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean, um, with the choir and the, yeah, the keyboard, the samples and the background. It's good. <laughs> yes. And this album um, made it to number 12 in the Dutch charts. So uh, you can see that Epica was already gaining a lot of uh, a big fan base or building a big fan base in their home, the Netherlands. There's also one song uh, fe uh, featured by Roy Khan, and that was also the former singer of Camelot. I think that means success. If you, I, I just imagine that I'm building, I'm founding a band. Name them after one of my favorite musicians. Mm -hmm. And after the first album, the second album, I can already do one song with one of these great musicians I love. That's so wow. Yeah, that's true. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Do you have a favorite song? I'm leaning towards Blank Infinity. 
Ah, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Solitary ground. Solitary ground is really nice. Yes. The. I don't know. The, all of um, them are good. Karma. <laughs> mm. I like um, Auto Black Infinity because it's very um, so it's it's straightforward. I think it has a great rhythm. Yeah. Or uh, Dance of Fate. That's just also very dynamic and yeah, um, you can already dance. Yeah, it's called Dance of Fate. But yeah, so they could also show it in the music that it should be a dance. That's yeah. That's true. That's true. But although the music was great already, the cover art for the album is not very good. In my opinion, mm. it's the worst artwork for their albums ever. <laughs> yeah, it's not typical Epica. Yes. I think I think you can already see that Mark was interested in the Mayan culture. I think that's where that uh, might come from, where mm. that artwork might might come from. Yeah, same what I thought. <laughs> Because it has that typical, um, yeah like um those like uh stone drawings and right yeah like yeah an ancient stone drawing yeah exactly that describes it in a good way with the third album they already established uh, a rhythm of releasing an album every two years because in 2007 already the divine conspiracy came out mm -hmm. and talking about cover art um, this is the second and well the second one and those are the only two the phantom agony and the divine conspiracy the covers uh, well where simon is on the cover and both are kind of um naked <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true well the phantom agony is like uh, just uh, very revealing and the divine conspiracy Uh, Simone is sitting naked, covered in weird tribal tattoos or something. It's it's kind of it's obviously tasteful. It's not like porny, but um, but still, <laughs> yeah, brave, brave to show yourself in such a way on your music. Totally. How old was she yeah. there? Like twenty, twenty one, twenty two? Yeah. Beginning of 20s, yeah. No, I was 20 right. in 2007, so she must have been 22 <laughs> or 23, yeah. <laughs> okay. I remember our first thought about the breaking with After Forever mm -hmm. that Mark leaves the band and Run for a Fall. I think that was the first album, right? On the first album, The Phantom Agony. Um that song deals with the breakup with After Forever. So, um, yeah, I think he was very angry in that time. So, 2003 mm -hmm. and some years later, 2007, um, Sandra Gomez is a guest singer for Grants on the album The Divine Conspiracy. Uh, he's a member of After Forever. Still? Uh, or oh, he Back was. Back then, still? Yes, he, uh, after, after Forever, 
doesn't exist anymore. I know, I know, but was he still in back in After Forever back then in 2007? Um, I read it like yes, okay. <laughs> that he was an active band band member, band member in that time. And yeah, it was just like um yeah, we are fine with that topic because he appeared on the album as a musician. I don't know, that's just what I read on the worldwide internet. Give us your sources, Steffi. Give us the links. We want to know where you have these. Okay, okay. <laughs> conspiracy theories. We are professionals. Divine conspiracy yes. theories, no? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. I will, I will give you the sources. Perfect. So this album... Um, For this album, they they were signed by Nuclear Blast because their um, their first label uh, had um, went bankrupt or something. So they went to Nuclear Blast or Nuclear Blast picked them up. Nuclear, what a word. Um, yeah, so uh, this one also has a lot of very cool songs like the obsessive devotion chasing the dragon that beautiful beautiful ballad with the oh, with yeah. the growls in the bridge almost at the end never enough is also kind of cool and that's very catchy yeah it's very poppy right mm -hmm. and that's and that's another weird uh, music video never enough yeah that hotel room Right, that's the one with the hotel, yeah. Yeah, and that guy who betrays his girlfriend. Yeah. He he he. Yeah, and and the band is just like like the ghost all over it to see the scene, and I have no idea. Or it's just maybe it should uh, show the music should show how the how the girlfriend feels if he discover the betrayal. No idea. Yeah. I haven't really thought about it that much. It's just very, very, it's a very like poppy song almost. Yes. But And not all of them are like that because it's also kind of folky. The album is kind of folky at times. I think um, you can hear that also in, in Santa Terra, which has become in later years became a very cool song to 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 see them perform live because they <clears throat> they usually take guests on stage uh, female guests on stage they have performed Santa Terra with um Flor Jansen with Marcela Bobbio with Manuela Kala from Xandria back then and uh, nowadays when they are touring with Mayan they sing Santa Terra with Marcela and Laura Macri Wow, okay. Yeah. There are many guests for yeah, that song. That's that's really Interesting. cool. Would be funny if you do um um Zusammenschnitt. What's with your English yeah, it today? It would be <laughs> uh, it doesn't exist. <laughs> no, it um it would be funny if you just cut all these different gigs live performances of the different singers in one video together in a compilation combine them 
Yeah, somebody yeah, exactly. do that. If it doesn't exist yet and someone yes. is listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. I want do to a see compilation you. of the Sancta Terra guest singers um, <laughs> performances. Yeah. Yeah, so do you have a um, a favorite for this one? Favorite song of this album? Let me see and let me think. Um chasing the dragon totally right or, mine well, too. or sancta terra yeah mine. or sancta terra I'm, I'm not sure maybe both uh, yeah both or safeguard to paradise that's a very beautiful ballad <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they had lots of ballads so no no chasing the dragon that's also ballad but um it became heavier at the ending mm -hmm. more powerful The dragon awakes in that song during that song. Yeah, that's. And true. what's your favorite? Also, chasing the dragon. Okay. Great. <laughs> I think we have got the same taste in music. Yeah, we. If we're talking about that, <laughs> that band and the genre, maybe also. That is true. You're cool, Steffi. That's why. <laughs> And if Pierre were listening to us, <laughs> she would just say, they are crazy. She would just roll her eyes. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I'm listening to Eskimo Cowboy now. Totally. She would roll her eyes and go turn Eskimo Cowboy on. Um, yeah. So Pierre <laughs> left us a little message about Epica. Let's listen to what Pierre has to say about this band. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I can't really say something negative about Epica. Um, the music just doesn't reach me, so to speak. Um, I don't have any emotions towards the music or anything else, and I can't remember a single tune, melody, or whatever, even though I have been at two of the concerts, at least. I saw them at several festivals. Um, when I was in Helsinki with Kiki, I think we listened to one of their CDs, or at another venue I don't know but I'm pretty sure she showed me some of the music and I can't remember anything so um, I don't know the music is just not reachable for me so I don't understand how uh, Pia can feel that way about Epica but well <laughs> what can you do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just exactly. <laughs> yeah. And go on with our lives and go on with um, Epica's discography. Two years after the Divine Conspiracy, uh, they released the Classical Conspiracy. Uh -huh. Yeah, and that was their first live album. They filmed it in Hungary while the live Did they film it? Yeah. Uh, Or, uh, yeah, record. Yeah, that's right. It's right? just a yeah. CD, not DVD. Yeah, that's right. Just audio. And yeah, that was maybe the first time they performed with an orchestra. And so they choose it and they used it also to cover some classical music. I, I don't know. Um which songs, which classical songs they played, but also some soundtrack 
movie and just some soundtrack covers like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, or the title track of Spider-Man. Yeah, and the Imperial March from Star Wars. I remember when I when I heard about that release, I just I was just so jealous of the people of the people <laughs> in, in Hungary. Um, I really I would have loved to be there. But uh, also that year later that year, I think almost but the by the end of the year, they released uh, Design Your Universe in 2009. And that was a game changer. Yes. That, that was a milestone in the history, in the band history. It was just something completely new because it was, um, it was still very catchy. You, uh, it was maybe not easy listening to, but, um, yeah, you just had a, a good access to that kind of music while listening. But there were also some almost progressive parts mm -hmm. or very, just very innovative. I would say it's a very innovative um, album. Yeah, it was also uh, very different from what they had done before. It was not as dark anymore, but it was still heavy. One of my favorite songs, uh, Epica songs, comes from that album, Unleashed. I love that song. And I also love the, the Amanda Somerville duet version that they released with uh, the single, I think. Oh, really? I didn't notice. Yet. Yeah, and that's okay. that's a beautiful version. Also, I love those. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the band had a very strong relationship to Amanda Somerville. I think she was also the voice teacher of Simone yes. in the yes. First in the beginning, she was band. Simone's um, vocal coach, and she also composed. Uh, she wrote the melodies with the band, the vocal melodies or many vocal melodies with the band. She also checked like the English, you know, the lyrics. Um, in the beginning, uh, she was kind of a co-producer, I think, because she has always worked uh, very tightly with Sasha Pet, and Sasha was the, the producer of the first uh, um, albums of Epica. Hmm. Yeah, I think she's still... Um part of the band somehow or i don't anymore? know i don't know she's not in the in the credits of the latest two albums okay yeah maybe yes maybe not anymore <laughs> I don't know. and there are also a lot of other uh, great songs on this album like um, martyr of the free word that's a really cool one our destiny is also nice yeah burnt with cinder tides of time I would say, I know that sounds <laughs> stupid, but all these songs are just very, very great songs and everyone has um, a potential to become very famous, a famous song. If there would be another to release one, just one of these songs, they might become famous, I would say, but just... My opinion. Wow. Yeah. Um, cool thought. I also like the, the duet, White Waters. It's also a very cool ballad again. With uh, Tony Kako. Sonata Arctica. As a guest singer on White Waters. Yeah. It's a little bit uh, similar to the um, to the other album. Tuas Vierge. 
Yeah, it's it's very similar because of that. It's it's a ballad, and they had a very very good and famous guest singer on it. Like yeah, sadly they didn't make it to a tradition. <laughs> so every album has a beautiful ballad with a great guest singer. That would be great. Um, yeah. So Designer Universe is the first album, uh, or for the first time they started working together with uh, Stefan Heilemann as um, as a graphic designer for their cover art. And it was the best decision they could have made. Yes, that's true. Yes. And that collaboration between Epica and Stefan Heilemann is amazing. Mm -hmm. I love all of the artworks that have come after. Also, um, Stefan Heilemann's mm -hmm. art itself is very, very great. I once checked out his homepage and wow, <laughs> he has a very um, individual style. He also do lots of photos mm -hmm. and yeah, work with um, just real photos. And it's just, okay, you see it and you just can, um, can see it is his work because he has a very strong, very characteristic style. Great artist. That's true. We should uh, he, maybe also link his homepage in our show notes. Yes. Um, he also uh, has released several books of his uh, work. And his latest book, um, Simone, is in, in it. So together they made... Um, uh, they did or are doing a giveaway. They're giving away one of the... One of Stefan's Stefan Heilemann's uh, books, um, so I'm gonna link that post in the show notes as well. If it's still going, if that uh, giveaway is still going, but that is um, yeah, really cool. Did you already tell us your favorite from the Signer Universe? No, because I just want to choose one. Just let's say the album. So that's it. Okay. <laughs> So Design Your Universe was, I think, the first album that I bought from Epica. And uh, two years later, in 2011, I saw them live um, here in, in... Back then, I was already living in Dortmund, and I saw them at Rock Hard Festival. And um, I went to the signing session, and I got my autographs on that album. I was a huge fan girl. And um, yeah, they were they were still uh, promoting Design Your Universe. That was a really cool thing. Um, so that's a nice memory that I have with Epica. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, um, Wrecking for the Indifferent came out, and I was uh, almost a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah, that would have been my first uh, question: What do you think about that album? Because I think it's um, it's different. Yeah, it's not my favorite one um, of the band. I think um, there are, there are cool songs, and the whole concept of the album um, about it was it was very modern. It was very of the time with all the wars going on and with all the conflicts in the in the world in politics. Um, it was a good release, a good thematic release, but. There is only I. I only like "Storm the Sorrow." It's the only. Um, it's the only song that I still listen to from that album. 
there was also deep water horizon so um which was about that uh, natural disaster were not natural but that yeah, human-made uh, disaster for nature human-made exactly and um so it's a lot about politics, but also about the environment. And it's like very modern and very uh, talking about the things that were in the news every day yeah. back then. So serenade of self-destruction is also a big, big statement to, to what we were living. But still, I mean, the music is great. The lyrics are good. It, but it's just not uh, an album that's been very memorable. Uh. Storm of the Sorrow and the video for Storm of the Sorrow are amazing works of art. But that's actually it, for me at least. Uh. Yeah, for me too. I brought that album and so yeah, I listened to it a lot. <sighs> the time before these are on Spotify. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. While listening to it, I I still like it. If I now looking at the um, at the track list, hmm, I have about most of the songs very good feelings. But yeah, all in all, it's just for me not that typical Epica album. And yeah, how you already said, for, um, I think the the topics are the even more interesting part of it because yes I like I like to listen that musicians also think and talk about news and yeah just talking about their fears their thoughts and um, yeah one song internal warfare is dedicated to the victim of, of a shooting in I think it was Norway and that's very impressive for me to see that these musicians say, hey, we will leave now a fantasy world, which you find on lots of symphonic power metal albums, and just talk about reality. And that's what I like. Um, yeah, that's also one point, because I like Epica. They are one of my favorite bands because they um yeah about always talking about uh, political stuff philosoph um philosophy and yes that's uh, also i think very important to get that uh, message with the music indeed that's true i totally agree yes um, and i think this album has for me uh, the most beautiful artwork of Epica. It's funny also to see it um, on Spotify, um, like only to see the, the, the small digital picture because holding that, the, the album in my hands, it had like these um, glittery, not glittery, but like this metallic uh, finishes and touches and i think the red leaves were also like metallic red i don't have the album right now but it's, uh, we're still moving well it's still in boxes um, <laughs> yeah, sure. but um, but i remember that it's like they really put a lot of thought into the packaging and into the artwork and yep. um 
as well as they did into the, the, the music videos, right? I mean, of course, it's like seven years after the funny videos, the funny quality videos. These are like real, real big productions. But um, still, that's that's why I think that Design Your Universe and Requiem for the Indifferent are, are important albums for Epica because they just help them establish this all-over production concept that we now see um, matured. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. Like the band is the whole uh, package. The there's the music, but also the photo shootings, also the artworks, also everything. It's like one solid presentation, one very um, high-quality product that they are that they are doing, making. Yes, definitely. I would also say that they are the um, well, most beautiful band. No, that that's not the right word. Um, yeah, Epica has um, just very strong characteristic style in a good way. Very um, fashionate also. I think that uh, was Simone's influence on the band. That um, yeah, she's just um, a fashionita. She knows what beautiful <laughs> and wants to be beautiful mm -hmm. and um, has a very good way to present herself. And so she also um, does with the whole band the last photos. I just remember, I think it were the promo photos of a, b -b 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 a quantum enigma with that fire in the background and um, yeah the bands in black dresses and uh, good dresses. It's, yeah, very stylish. Yes, but we're still in 2011 now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Or just um, do you have a do you have a favorite uh, uh, song? Maybe Deep Water Horizon. Mm -hmm. That's very um, yeah, a ballad. Lovely. Starts with a good piano. Yeah. Lovely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, two years later, uh, they were already doing a live DVD, a kind of a best of release. Um, Retrospect. Yes. Yeah, Retrospect was their anniversary, their 10 year? Yeah, 10 year mm -hmm, band anniversary. Yes. Uh, they celebrated with um, with a huge concert in Eindhoven, and I was there. Yeah, really? You yeah. were there? Oh, yes, I remember. Once you told. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> I really wanted to go, and um, uh, it's funny because that's how I met um, photographer Andreas Noack. Shout out! Hello, Andreas! <laughs> Right. Yeah, because uh, I didn't have anyone to go with to retrospect. So I posted on Facebook um, and uh, Andreas and I started talking. Then we drove together over there. We watched the concert together. And I think, um, no, there wasn't uh, metal and high heels yet. So, but but then we decided that we'd, we would collaborate later. And uh, Andreas has... Um, taken pictures for many of our uh, of our live reports over the years after that um, it was a, a, an amazing experience um, 
the venue was was huge and it was obviously sold out and um there were like obviously fire show and pyrotechnics and with um the former band members and Floriansen was also a guest and uh, they had a choir and uh, a small orchestra um it was an amazing experience to be there. That was really cool. Retrospect was a very cool thing. Uh, I remember writing on the on the live report uh, that you could visibly see that uh, Simona was pregnant, and uh, shortly after, um, Simone and uh, Oliver from Camelot, the keyboarder from Camelot, announced the pregnancy and that they were getting married and all of that. Anyway. Great show. Cool DVD. One year later, 2014, they released The Quantum Enigma. And wow, holy shit. <laughs> That's just what's in my mind if I think about that album. After Wrecking for the Indifferent, which was just like, hmm, well, not bad. Nah. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> I think all in all, it's, it's the low light of the epica history so yeah quantum enigma was just quantum jump <laughs> of quality because uh, it was a very yeah high quality production they could use an orchestra and big choirs and so they also write um, the fitting music for that opportun uh, opportunities And yeah, very bombastic. Yeah. For me also, it was like, back then, it was like the best album of, of their career until then. Yes. I remember going to to a concert um, for after that after that uh, release. And at some point, I, I just, um, I, I saw Aryan after the show. After the show, before the show, I don't remember, but he was grabbing a beer at the bar of the venue, and I ran into him, and I just went to went up to him and told him, "Dude, best album ever! Like this is your best effort. It has been. It's 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 amazing." <laughs> and um, yeah, it is a really cool, a really cool album. The essence of silence is a great track. Um, But Unchained Utopia is my favorite. I think I read somewhere, somehow, somewhere, that Epica ran together while recording um, Wrecking for the Indifferent. They just recorded at diff and, um, different places. Just, okay, I am playing now my part and I will send it to you and now you can play your part and here is it and you can sing with that music. And maybe that was also a reason why the record for The Indifferent was not that good. And I think after that low light, after they checked, oh, well, that's maybe not the right way. <laughs> how to record an album. They just met all together in a studio and just record the whole album together there, all members, one place, and yeah, just do the music. Maybe that's also a reason 
for that low light and that next highlight. That would be too easy. That's a, that would be a nice explanation. But, um, <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint you, Steffi. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's okay. But over the years, and uh, come to think of it, um, the first interview I had with them was in 2012 at Rock Hearts. And uh, I don't know if it was during that interview. I'm going to link that in the show notes. Or, yeah, I think it was during that one because um, I interviewed Isaac and uh, Rob and I asked them, you guys don't live near each other anymore. Simon is in Germany. Isaac, you're living in Munich and there, some of the rest of the band is still in Holland. And, and how, do you, how do you write? How do you, do you even have rehearsals or anything? How do you do it? And um, he said something like, no, we work digitally. We send each other the, the things, the ideas, and that's how they write because they live apart. So they, to the, for the recording, they do get together, I think, like two weeks or something. They go into the studio and then they record. But when writing the songs, they don't see each other face to face. Okay. That's, okay. that's how they, and that's their process. I think that has been their process for for some years. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I just had in mind like, yeah, but maybe it was just, um, I thought about the recording and you about the writing and yeah, well, everything's fine. <laughs> you know the true story, so. I don't know. I mean, that's great. Um, Your, there might be some, some truth to your story as well. We will never know. But what we know uh, is that uh, the Quantum Enigma was just, um, yeah, as you just said, a huge jump in quality, in uh, sound, in just overall amazingness of their music. It was a huge step forward. And um, it was like an even newer level for Epica. Like the first Epica phase was the three first albums and with Design Your Universe, they reached a new level and that was good. And Wrecking for the Indifferent was more or less on that level. Hmm. The overall production was on the same level at least. But then they released the Quantum Enigma and it was a, a higher level, an even better level even. And I, I really thought that it couldn't get any better at all because... Um, the Quantum Enigma was such a great album that I thought, how the hell are they gonna make a better album? I, I thought it was impossible. I was like, okay, what are they going to release? Where are they going from here? Because they are in the in the peak, you know? Yes, yeah, definitely. That was also what I thought while listening to it. It was. I remember the day, the release day. Uh, already before thought oh yeah there will be no new album so it was very very exciting um to listen to it and at the release day i just sat in front of my computer and uh put it on on spotify and uh yeah my my mouth was just open and i was just okay 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 that's um That's a point. There <laughs> doesn't need to be any more music written. 
<laughs> okay, that's a little bit too, too much. But um, yeah, it was just uh, perfection. For me, it was just musical perfection. And yeah, that's crazy. Indeed. Yeah, it was cool. I remember that's funny that you mentioned that because I remember I had already listened to the album because I think I reviewed it for Metal and High Heels, actually. Um, I think. Uh, anyway, um, the day the Quantum Enigma was released, um, it was like, I think, the only time that I have done this, that the day, the day it was released, I went to the shop and bought the thing. And because I wanted to have it in my hands and I also had the 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 bigger version, the the earbook, I think they're calling it, version that's uh, the size of a vinyl, but there's only three CDs in them um, with uh, the normal album, the acoust some acoustics and bonus, bonus tracks and the instrumental album. So, yeah, that was really cool. Um, I think that was the first time they did that, the big the big book, and another addition to to their merchandise or release package um, of the Quantum Enigma was uh, they added cycling pants and jerseys. You know the the you know like for people who ride their bikes on I don't know the Tour de France uh, like that in that style. There are uh, yeah. Uh -huh shorts and jerseys with the with the album art it's super funny i think it's because um mark uh, does bicycle riding as a sport maybe that's the background reason actually <laughs> he told me in another interview <laughs> <laughs> okay okay tell us <laughs> so obnoxious right now no um he told me about that um when i talked to him about uh the holographic principle he said that it was actually fans who do a lot of cycling just like him but the fans had the idea to do cycling uh uniforms more or less with the with the album art because they wanted to wear that to to their cycling tours so then they did oh okay Great. Yeah, still near to the fans, mm -hmm. it seems like. So now it's your turn. Which is your favorite song from the Quantum Enigma? I, I can say once again. It just also depends on my um, on my mood. Mm -hmm. I, I just can't say. Do you like the ballad, Canvas of Life? That's a beautiful ballad. But um, I have just some other ballads in mind. I think there's just on, on every album is a ballad like that one like Tides of Time or uh, Sorte Grand well not that's maybe a little bit different style but on the last ones like um, Immortal Melancholy for me it's everyone's very beautiful and I love listening to it but I don't want to call it my favorite song because it's just you can just well it's a little bit all the same it's a piano or acoustic guitar ballad with a beautiful voice and a nice melody and that's mm -hmm. it beautiful but not more <laughs> yeah but we were just talking about all of the different topics that that come up in epica's uh, lyrics and uh, there is the the more abstract ones like politics and philosophy and psychology and and the quantum enigma as the title says oh, 
there were a lot of a lot of uh, topics around quantum physics. Um, but Canvas of Life is is the opposite. It's an example of the more the more real, the more private uh, lyrics and topics that, that they also deal with. Canvas of Life is about um, Simone's experience. Um, she was pregnant with um, Vincent, with her son, and um, it was like in the late stage of her pregnancy when it was kind of uh, when she couldn't really travel anymore. And in the Netherlands, her aunt was a very sick and was dying and um, Simone couldn't, uh, could not travel to see her and canvas of life. Um, she wrote it. She wrote that song about, um, or the lyrics to that song about uh, this like contradiction of uh, one life ending and her suffering for, for not being able to be there with her family. And, at the same time being so happy because her son was about to come to the world, to come into the world. So that's, for me, that's like a very beautiful story for, for that song. Um, that's why I have a very, I, I like that song very much. Yeah. Yes. And then we come already to the latest um, full length release. Two years ago already, the holographic, for, the holographic principle the band's seventh studio album. And what do you think, Steffi? Um, it was surprising in that way. That is as good as the Quantum Enigma. Maybe maybe better. I'm not sure. For me, Quantum Enigma, that just after all how I have it in mind, uh, Quantum Enigma is a little bit uh, more orchestral and the holographic principle wants to be more metal again, heavier. Yeah, so for me they are um, good in the same way. Depends on <laughs> on the mood once again. Um, if you want to prefer, if you prefer the orchestral one or the heavier one album, I think it's the same level. It's it's nor better nor worse. It's different. Yeah, it's it's different. But still, still the same level as the Quantum. Wow. Okay. Now we have reached a point where we don't agree anymore. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? The holographic principle is the best album yet, the best release Epica has had. As I was just saying before, when with the Quantum Enigma, I didn't know how they could make it better what they would do that would be better. And when the holographic principle came out, I was just so mind blown. It was like, of course it gets better. It's this, this is better. And um, it just totally blew my mind. I, I loved it from the first time I heard anything about, about the holographic principle. Um, I love the cover art, um, which is funny because obviously, <laughs> well, not obviously, but purple is my, my favorite color. <laughs> Okay, that's why I don't like it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it really talks to me. It appeals to me. Um, <laughs> I, I I love everything about this album. Um, so I also got the big uh, earbook that I was talking before. And I also got some leggings because for this album, they added leggings to their uh, merchandise um, range of, uh, of products. Um and 
yeah, it's just that this that album is is amazing. Now I I am thinking again um, what they will release next. Where will do where will they go from here? Um, yeah, I just I just really like it. I I also um, I mean also because in 2016 I started uh, working in marketing freelance. Um, I started noticing that kind of thing as well. Uh, the marketing strategy surrounding the holographic principle is also genius. The whole, the way the the their website is just like an Im like an immersive experience in into the art. Like everything is is the, the same artwork of the holographic principle. Um, the way they uh, released so many videos, they hadn't released so many videos. Um, in a long time, there were a lot of uh, lyric videos or guitar playthroughs or drum playthroughs or normal music videos. Um, it was just everything was really, really cool. The The live shows for the holographic uh, principle have also been really great with the laser shows and um, all of that. I'm, I'm still really mind blown. <laughs> great. Do you have a favorite song for this one? No, once again, no. <laughs> I mean, I just say Epica is my favorite band because I like, I love most of the songs. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> I also oh. have a difficulty uh, choosing one on this album because it's so good. Um, the first single, Edge of the Blade, was also great. Um, I love Beyond the Matrix. Yes, Dancing in a Hurricane is also nice. Um, I mean, they're all great, but Divide and Conquer, I, I have, um, I like that especially also because it's again like kind of um, political and a big statement. The album came out, I think, just before um, Trump became president. So Divide and Conquer was like very fitting to that mood, to that um, time. I love the holographic principle. <laughs> Would you say it's your all-time favorite album? Probably. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can agree. I can understand. I don't listen to it as much nowadays because, I mean, it's already... It's already two years old. <laughs> already two years old. That's like nothing in in in, mm. in the big <laughs> scope of music. But um, but I, I have obviously been listening to to other stuff lately. But uh, yeah, it's just it's really just a great album. When uh, last year, when uh, or this year even, when the Solar System was released, though. Because the Solar System is the EP they released um, as part of the holographic principle. Because they they said mm. that um, they had so many great songs um, ready when the holographic principle had to be released that they didn't want to pack them all. They didn't. No, no, no. They didn't want to throw them away. The ones that didn't make the cut for the the full-length album that they released, the Solar System EP. Um, then I was a tiny bit disappointed because those songs didn't really catch my attention. So it was like, yeah, the 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 choice for the album was well well done. 
Wow, really? Yeah. I think like um, architect of light or what no else? Idea. What's the other? F Fight your demons? <laughs> These are very catchy songs. I, hmm. Okay. Yeah. I would say in my ears they are better as some songs on the on the yeah finished album. Like the cosmic algorithm. They, in, in my opinion, they um, could have left this one, but put Architect of Light on the on the holographic principle album. Mm. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't agree? No. <laughs> but that, that one is a good song. You're right. Architect of Light is cool. I mean, they're all cool, but I'm fine with the holographic principle. <laughs> okay. I love the acoustic covers of some songs. I think they are bonus tracks. Mm -hmm. And it, it, that's so great. And that's such a break. or It just shows the band, the music of the band, in such a different light. Because the holographic principle is um yeah once again heavy and bombastic and yeah dark somehow the the atmosphere is more a little bit depressive i would say and then there there are these um acoustic covers and that's like oh yes great i'm a good good mood now i'm smiling i want to dance that's so so catchy and um that's very funny yeah it always makes me smile if i'm listening to that And yeah, it's a very funny. Um, I, it's very funny to to see such an other side of these musicians because they also like other music, obviously, like yeah. like folk and jazz, like the funky algorithm. Yes, <laughs> that's so great. Or dancing at Gypsy Camp. Yeah, those are really cool. Yeah. Um, they also, that's just a few weeks ago, I think, um, they recorded with the Metropole Orchestra a song. Uh, it was um, a contest, I think, in yeah Dutch. I think one Dutch musician or band could record a song of their choice with the orchestra. Mm -hmm. And Epica won that contest. So they recorded Beyond the Matrix as a cover version with the orchestra. Um, did you listen to it? Yeah. <laughs> What's your opinion? It was just way too long. Too long, too psychedelic. Yeah. I don't know. That's true. Maybe on drugs I would enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I was also, because I just saw, okay, they released so... I decided, okay, come, sit down. Nothing else to do now. Just listening to that song. Check it out. And, it, yeah, I know what you mean. It was very um, confusing. Yeah. It was just, a, what what the hell they are doing? They just do, um, yeah, you, you can notice the song. They're just uh, the typical melody, the chorus. And then there was suddenly a jazz part. That, that was so crazy later in the song so Mark is growling and then it just becomes a song of a big band mm -hmm. that's that's a very very crazy song and not easy to listening 
I remember I put it on and did something other, just listening to it in the background. I was like, okay, okay, no, no, sorry. I have to put it out because that's just weird. <laughs> you need to be focused on that song because it's so, yeah, exhausting. Totally. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to put that in the uh, show notes as well. And we've been rambling for over an hour and a half already. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, so um, how about we slowly come to the end of our talk about Epica? Um, one thing they just announced. They announced uh, that they will be celebrating the 10-year anniversary of Design Your Universe, one of the albums that we really liked, as you heard. <laughs> so they will play a very special set focused on this album in October 2019. Um, mm -hmm. Those are very few exclusive shows uh, here in Europe. One of them is in Oberhausen. That's not too far from us, Steffi, so we have to go. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. We need to go. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. But just two more things. Mm -hmm. First, did you watch the anime videos of the Solen system? Yeah, I did watch those. Did you understand that? I, no, I didn't understand the story. Um, I also am not a big fan of anime, so uh, it wasn't. I wasn't like too impressed. Okay, yeah. For me, I was all the time. I was just between. That's great. That's great. That's so innovative, interesting, and the other half of me just said, uh, "What." they do that's just crazy and <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 hmm senseless almost well yeah they they are very artificial not not, not artificial artistic they're very artistic mm -hmm. band i would say because yeah there were so many parts of it the videos and the photos and of course the music itself the live shows yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, another fun fact. Well, not exactly fun fact, but um, I was thinking that not because um, the singer has always been the same. Well, 98% of the band history, it's always been Simone. Um, it doesn't, that doesn't mean that, it's, that the band is free of controversy. Um, for Nightwish, for example, the whole controversy was uh, because of the of the three singers uh, with Liv's eyes. There was also controversy when um, Liv left the band, and the controversy of Epica. <laughs> it's actually it's actually just what the fans make of it, um, or or maybe or maybe also I don't know. And maybe it's also a little bit in the band history. I mean. Um, we all know that Mark and uh, Simona were together when the band started. They uh, were in a relationship. Uh, they are just good friends right now. Um, and as we also mentioned, um, Simona is happily married to Oliver Palotai from Camelot. They have a kid. And um, Mark Jansen is uh, in a relationship with Laura Macri, uh, the opera singer who also sings uh, together with him in Mayan. Um, Mark Janssen's uh, side project 
which has taken a life of its own. Um, the funny thing is, lately, um, I have to look for that post, uh, but L Laura McCree had a had a solo concert, or 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 for some reason, she uh, performed live with Mark, and at some point they performed together a few Epica songs. And a lot of fans were like captivated and said that that, that it was better than Epica Epica because uh, Laura is uh, a full-on opera singer. And the other half of the fans was outraged and started apparently writing to Mark and or also in the comments on social media and telling him to please never let Laura again sing Epica songs because it was awful. And... Um, that Simone should please never leave Epica because if Lara is gone, is going to take her place, that would be the end and, and stuff like that. It's like there's no drama, so the fans make drama out of it. And at some point, Mark only replied to a comment that he does what he wants. So it was hilarious in the end. <laughs> okay, sounds crazy. I didn't heard of that story before. Well, it's super funny because I follow a few... Um, Facebook pages uh, with some uh, female-fronted metal gossip. And um, yeah, so it's super funny. And a lot of, a lot of, it's funny because a lot of the stuff that come, that happens on, on those pages is made by uh, Latin American fans. And in the Latin American fan community, um, Simone is not very liked because uh, apparently she has like a very diva reputation, like she's very arrogant. Um, there are videos out of, on YouTube uh, from uh, maybe 10 years ago when Epica was touring in Latin America and uh, Simone screamed, to fan, screamed at fans like, uh, stop touching my hair and stuff like that, which I can totally understand, you know. People have a right to not want to be touched when they don't want to be touched. But for some reason, the Latin American fans were very um, aggravated. They, I don't know, they felt very, I don't know, if disappointed or just, um, I don't know. They didn't really like that. And at some point, they even call her, called her a racist because of that. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I can imagine that she is a little bit yeah, arrogant. And yeah, she, she is a diva. I think so. But, I, I, yeah, how you already say, I think it's just totally normal. If they're just a crowd around you and everyone wants to touch you, then someone, yeah, you are just, it's a very stressy situation. And then say, okay, come on, please stop it. Don't touch me. I, that's just too much for me right now. That's, mm -hmm. I think that's almost normal. Obviously, yeah. Hmm crazy very so um yeah so it's i don't know it's just uh weird but it's something that is out there and um and to her personality i don't know it was it's funny because the first time i saw them live in 2009 or 10 or the second time that i saw them and i actually waited for them to come down you know after the show and uh, i asked for um for autographs and everything. I actually was a little bit disappointed because they did seem, or she 
did seem quite arrogant and I was like super fangirling and I was like super sad after that. But, um, and well, I mean, uh, in the later years, I was able to to interview the band several times. I even had one uh, Skype interview with her right after um, she had her kid. And I think that that has changed a lot. I think that that um, she has also matured a lot. And um, I think that especially motherhood has made her personality or her character a lot more approachable and a lot more um, easygoing. That's at least what I see from even from her performances. She has a lot more fun. She takes everything less seriously. She's just more, more a, little, a little bit more natural even on stage too. So um, I like that. And I mean, that's also normal, right? She's um, in her 30s. It's like, you know, we're finally adults at this age. She was famous in her 20s already. Like, how can you expect her to be a perfect human being? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, I think you still have to be um, a polite person and you maybe should still stay a little bit. Um, yeah, not, not, not just friendly. Just stay friendly. <laughs> sure. I mean, polite is nice. A little bit of manners would be cool. But uh, like, I mean, what do you expect from everybody? Not because not because she's your idol does it mean that she has to be nicer than the other people. And um, I don't know. I think I think it's also like very, for some reason, um, all, all of these claims are very targeted at, at her. Um, but I've heard stories from from a lot of other musicians as well. So she's not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty sure she's not. Uh, do you visit her beauty blog sometimes? Yeah, yeah. I I follow Simone on Instagram, so I know whenever she posts something new about makeup and stuff. And um, um, she is, for example, she's also one of the faces or, or the product ambassadors or whatever for L'Oreal. Mm. And that's where... Uh, That's where we go our separate ways because <laughs> I I don't use uh, conventional cosmetics. I only use uh, natural cosmetics and I pay attention a lot to brands that don't test on animals and um, L'Oreal does. So, so I don't really follow her advice on beauty stuff. Mm, yeah, same for me. And I think it's a little bit too, for me, it's a little too girly. I see it's it's very beautiful. She has a very great style, but a little bit too girly <laughs> in my yeah, in my eyes. Mm -hmm. okay. oh. Yeah, so uh, what I was going to say, <laughs> in conclusion, <laughs> I personally think it a lot. Um, the whole package of Epica, um, there are cool people also, um, I mean, in the context of our interviews, they have always been polite and nice and um, very interesting people. 
and they are obviously great musicians and artists and i'm really looking forward to see what they what they will release next where will they go from here what's in store for us as fans and listeners what they will bring us yeah same i'm looking forward for some new material but i'm pretty sure or optimistic that they now finally found their style and I think it will be on the same quality level as the last two albums because the EPs were the same um, quality and also they covered some anime um, uh, title tracks Attack on Titan and um, yeah they are still high quality music And I'm pretty sure that it will stay like that. Maybe a little bit more um, innovative and try to do some experimental uh, music styles like, yeah, once again, jazz maybe. We'll see. Looking forward. What they will do. Maybe they will just innovate the jazz metal. (laughs) Jazz symphonic metal. That would be the end for me. (laughs) The end of my (laughs) fandom. <laughs> yeah, so uh, thank you so much for listening if you're still listening out there. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Metal and High Heels podcast wherever you're listening to us. And um, check out the show notes if you want at metal end highheelscom slash podcast 36. I will link there all of the interviews I talk- I've talked about, all of our reviews, and everything epica and everything we've talked about tonight. Yes, and you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, wherever. And yeah, big thanks to Cassandra Naval, um, because she did that awesome jingle that's based on the, uh, the song Storm from Undying Fire by her Burnt Mercy Al. Thanks for your support, Cassandra. Yeah, and thank every- thank you, everybody for listening and um, tell us what you think about Epica. What's your personal story? Story. What's your, uh, what are your biggest Epica memories and your favorite songs and albums? Yeah. Uh, do you agree with Pia and you don't like that? Read <laughs> that. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next month. Yes. So, see you. Bye-bye.